Yo, it is another edition of the High Hopes Podcast, and I think that we can say for the first time on the High Hopes Podcast in the 2018 season, the season is officially over. I'm James Seltzer, a subdued James Seltzer with a subdued Johnny Marks. Johnny, the season's over, man. It was it was a fun ride, but it has not ended uh, in the most pleasant of fashions. Is that is it? Uh, is that the official position? Is Fritz on board with that as oh, well? Oh yeah, or? oh yeah. I I mean, yeah, Fritz is there. I think we I think we all as a uh, as a team here are are conceding. We're saying it's done. No, yeah. no, no, two thousand seven repeat this season, John. See, and and here's where, I mean, honestly, the starting pitching carried them for most of the season, and once Eflin and Velasquez and Pavetta, especially Eflin, when you could count on sixty percent of your rotation giving you a quality start, and on oftentimes a better than quality start, you're going to win a lot of baseball games, and they were winning a lot of one run games, and maybe we should have seen this coming, but. At some point, I guess I was hoping the offense would step up. They made some nice moves at the trade deadline to improve the offense. But, you know, to use a, a sad cliche, at the end of the day, James, they're just <laughs> not good enough. Thanks, Chris Berman. Yes. Um, they, uh, but I think, yeah, look, I think you're right. And I think it was not surprising to see the regression in the starting pitchers. Fritz talked about that a lot on the pod heading into the trade deadline, why he wanted them to get the starting pitcher, the the potential innings limits being yep. smashed and just pass easily for these guys. And, uh, you know, Eflin, obviously, the guy we saw in the month of June, it is a completely different pitcher just to the eye test and obviously the results right now. And you're seeing that, that just the guys are getting tired. You've seen it with Sir Anthony who's been overused and used in, in just insane amount of high leverage spots the wear and tear of that and and like you said i think there were things that we were counting on or hoping for earlier in the season obviously the last you know three weeks we've probably all given up on it but the oduble hot streak we all expected a second oduble hot streak and that never happened reese hoskins went cold for 20 to 30 games at about the worst time of the season yeah and the moves that they made, while I agree with the philosophy behind them, in I was totally fine with them not giving up future important, potentially important assets for the future for rental players or things that couldn't help you pass this season. I'm fine with that as an organizational philosophy. It just seems that the moves that they did make didn't end up being the right moves ultimately. And 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 I don't blame them for what they did, but they certainly undervalued getting a starting pitcher, undervalued, uh, a closer potentially. So, yeah, I'm with you, and, and I think it's frustrating. So here's what I want to get into quickly to start, because I heard you talking about it uh, on your show today, uh, Marks and Reese, the afternoons on WIP, and you were kind of talking about how, because we've had a lot of conversations of, this season's already a success based on what they've done already and where they're at, but... It seemed like you were kind of intimating that you're starting to go the other way. And with how disastrous the last month plus has been, month and a half has been, that it's almost uh, souring your outlook on the whole season. Yeah, and and I'm trying to, you know, I, it's pretty disappointing. And I'm trying to have a, a somewhat level head about it. But I, I, you're right, James, I can't help 
I can't help feeling a certain way. And I had a lot of people say to me today, you're crazy. They won 65 games last year. They were projected to win 75. They're going to go over that. They overachieved. It's a, it's a success. Well, I, if you look at it from that way, but I, I can't help from looking at where I'll just leave it like this. I would have much rather the team would have been 500 or under in the first half of the season and then really be turning it on in September. Even if they were turning it on to finish five games over 500 and miss the playoffs, you would feel better heading into 2019 about this team. And maybe it's just, maybe I'm just soured, but I look at what this team is right now, and outside of Aaron Nola and Reese Hoskins, they're really your two, I can count on them being all-star level type players on this team. And I think Nick Williams can be a solid contributor unless they sign Bryce Harper and then he's not even really needed. I wonder about Reese Hoskins playing left field. I wonder what Scott Kingery is. Does the organization feel like he's a second baseman or a shortstop? What about J.P. Crawford? He's more or less been written off, at least for this season. So I guess here's, here's how I'll leave it. I have more questions than answers right now. And I would have thought in the beginning of the season, I would have a hell of a lot more answers than questions. And I think that's what soured me. Ultimately, this team didn't have enough, have enough talent. I heard you and Joe and John Ritchie talking about it today. And yeah, I think ultimately they didn't have enough talent, but there's it's there's more to it than that. And what we're talking about is the future and development. And where is J.P. Crawford after 2019? Where is Scott Kingery after 2018? Excuse me. And I don't know because we haven't seen them. They haven't been developed. And once you get into a pennant race, then you are to the team to get veterans. So I totally understand all that. But I guess I just wasn't expecting the way to, the, the, the year to turn out this way. And it's it's disappointing in the end, but James is Odubel your starting center fielder next year, or is Roman Quinn is he your insurance against Odubel being Odubel and Odubel's insurance against Roman Quinn being Roman Quinn, who's always injured? You know, I I just don't know what this team is right now. Yeah, it's really interesting because I think it's one of those situations where both things can be true. That on a macro scale, the season is a success. It is based on what they did last season, based on the, like you're talking about, the kind of a lot of question marks they ultimately had on this team. What they did is a success, but when you look at it percept, you know, from a perception angle, and like you said, if they turned it on in the second half of the season where it's Scott Kingery and J.P. Crawford and the guys who you expect to be part of the future being the ones who are turning it on and playing better and growing throughout the season, it's a whole different situation right now. I think it's um it's fascinating because I still believe that J.P. Crawford and Scott Kingery can be really good Major League Baseball players. They're twenty uh, what twenty three and twenty four years old respectively. I mean that that's really young. You know, not everyone is a, a, a Ronald Acuna or a Juan Soto. Those are the, the freaks, the phenoms, the all-time type players. But to come up at the age of 23 in the majors at, or the age of 24 and just get thrown into playing and at every day or close to every day type of pace is not the easiest thing in the world to do. And it, it takes these guys time to adjust. So... Um, I'm with you. I think that, and Jack's talked about this a lot too, the idea of, of developing guys versus playing the old guys. And I think that's what's been most frustrating about this. It's not just the way they've collapsed. 
It's that they're collapsing with Jose fucking Bautista out there. Like, you know what I mean? Like, well, I, again, and I was fine with the move at the time because he's a, a potential bench bat in my mind. And they were going for a playoff spot. So sure, bring in talent. But I mean, to see where they're at and to, to watch them failing with Jose Bautista and, and, and Estrubal Cabrera and guys who are just gone at the end of the year and, and are not a development type of thing. I'm with you, John. I, I think at this point, I think they should play young guys the rest of this season. Get them those big reps. Well, you know, one of the things, and you mentioned Kingery and Crawford, is I still think Scott Kingery is going to be perfectly fine. I do. I think he's going to be a good player. I I, I have less... I have less confidence in J.P. Crawford just because it seems like the team doesn't have a lot of confidence in J.P. Crawford, right? Like, he was supposed to be the starting shortstop this season. It was supposed to be his job. He was supposed to grow into it. He was supposed to struggle through it. I know there were injuries and other things, but he really never got a chance to get that job back, and they kept going to Kingery, kept going to Kingery. So I, I, is Kingery a second baseman or a shortstop? Where, where does that leave J.P.? They were putting him at third base for a while. He's not a third baseman. No. He doesn't have the pop to be a third baseman. So... When I look at, at at that, it's like, well, all right, like, well, what is Scott Kingery? Are they playing him at shortstop? He's less valuable than if he's playing second base, just because of the nature of the position, and what you expect offensively from those players. So, I, Scott Kingery is going to be fine. Hopefully, JP Crawford is going to be fine too. But outside of that, like for for a guy that that pays attention to a lot to the minor leagues, I can't look into the the Phillies minor leagues and see a a a a-level talent like you see in Atlanta, in in some other places with positional players. They have some nice players that are coming up, but the Mickey Moniacs, who's actually had a better year this year. Yeah, he's and, turning it on and, a little. Young, and too. Let's not forget how young. young he is. He's a major leaguer, but even Adam Hazley, who I think is going to be a contributor, he's not a franchise changer. We're not talking about guys that are coming in here and being superstars, and that's what this team needs. So they're going to go out in the free agent market, and they're going to try to get one which is fine, but once if you're the Sixers, like the Sixers, and you strike out, now you're coming back next year essentially with the same lineup. I don't know if you're going to add a pitcher. The fact that you didn't acquire Cole Hamels. Chicago may, may exercise his $20 million option yeah, if they decide that they, de- they definitely want to keep him. So if I was coming back next year with Cole as my as my second starter, Arietta as my third starter, and then I, had, I could choose two of the younger guys, that'd be great. Um, we're going to, cause like you said, it's a fascinating conversation and it'll be really interesting to see where Matt Clentak and the Phillies front office go. Joe Jordan, their longtime director, the minor league guy, he's leaving. He, he, it's, it's not working for him. So you're seeing a clash of some of the old school guys and the new school analytic guys, and we'll see where it ends up, but they have a lot of work to do this off season. Yeah, well, I, I, I've said all along, and, and uh, what I was pondering, I never got to your question of is Odubel Herrera the starting center fielder to start next season? And in my head, when you asked me that, I was thinking, I think Bryce Harper could be the starting center fielder next season, maybe the starting right fielder. Right I fielder. do think, I do think, yeah, he could play both. I think they would probably put him in right field, though, and, and save the asset for longer and not put the defensive wear and tear on him. But. I, I mean, Mike Trout could be your center fielder. I, I don't I don't think that's completely out of the realm of possibility. Uh, I think that if the Angels go to Mike Trout this offseason and say, here's a record contract, sign it, and he says, nah, I don't want to, they're going to look to trade him, and they should. If you know, I know it's they tough, should. tough to trade the greatest player of a generation, but at the same time, 
that they, they would get as good a haul as you could possibly get for any But if player. you wait, if you wait yeah, a year. Yeah, you're, you're Air Manny Machado. And that's the problem. It's, it's, so he's free agent after 2020. So if you wait until after 2019, you'll still get something. But it'll be well known that it's a last year of a contract. So you're more or less could be paying for a rental. I, I don't disagree with you with Trout. But I also don't think the Angels are that sharp of, of an organization. Well, I agree. To where... I mean, they've mad bad. That's why that there's a situation they haven't been able to win with the guy. They've had the best player in the sport for the last five years, him. and they've wasted him. But wasted him. Yeah. I, I'm I'm with you. So, but I do believe, and I I've always believed that 2019 is kind of was their pivot point, and that this organization was planning on spending big. And obviously, we've seen tons of reports. The Jerry Krasnick one, of course, the one that stands out the most saying that they might, might get Harper and Machado, yeah. which uh, again, I don't think anyone is actually counting on, but just the fact that that's even floating from yeah. anywhere. Exactly. So, so check this out. High hope, high hopes exclusive because you brought up the whole Ooh. John, John Middleton and they're willing to spend so much money. So I had heard that Middleton so the first game of the doubleheader was that was that Tuesday now? Um, yes. Um, yeah, on Tuesday there was literally a hundred people in the ballpark. I know you guys went to the night game. The the midday yeah, show went to yeah. the night game, but I got home and I put on the TV. There was a hundred people in the ballpark. I was listening to the broadcast on the way home, and I heard Fransky in LA say that they can literally hear people selling sodas and beer and stuff down. They can hear the other broadcasters, and John Middleton was. Furious, mm-hmm. furious at the collapse. Furious at the embarrassment of having fifty people at a Phillies game to start in in a pennant race. I I, I even someone even said to me, kind of worried that this is turning into the four, the fourth of the fourth teams in Philadelphia, and that's the way he's feeling right now. James, there the, the last time that the Nationals were in town, there was um. There was no buzz at the ballpark. And this was when the Phillies were still in the playoffs at this point. A couple weeks ago, whenever it was, and you would think that people would be ready to run down and support the team and have fun. Let's go, Phillies. And they got the same roughly 17, 18, 19,000 people that they got the year before. Wow. The same Phillies fans are watching it going. Yeah. But no one else is going back down. They haven't drawn any additional people. Yeah, so when you think when you think about the offseason, that's also something that, that I would think that they're going to be mindful of. Yeah, and look, there's nothing that's going to generate buzz like signing Bryce Harper. I mean, there isn't, uh, or trading for Mike Trout or whatever. Trading for Mike, trading for Mike Trout. That's you know the what? number one thing, obviously. James, yeah, I don't, I don't know if they get Bryce Harper. If that's enough to, I mean, are they? They'll be sold out opening day, but in June, how many, how many people are going to the game first week of June, a home game because they get Bryce Harper? Are they selling that out? No. Are they getting thirty thousand? I don't think so. Right, I don't think one player is enough to turn this around no, f- from the fans' no. perspective. No, they need to win. And I think that part of winning, as you talked about, I think that when you look at this Phillies organization, top to bottom, it is an organization, and as you mentioned, Nola for sure is a, a blue-chip, blue-chip talent. Uh, Reese Hoskins has the potential to be a blue-chip hitter. But, um, you know, Sixto, there are guys in the organization of blue-chip potential. But it is an organization more of quantity of quality than top, top quality. Um, and But I think that quantity matters in a sport like baseball. You, we look, we've seen teams that win the World Series that don't even have one of those blue chip type guys like the Kansas City Royals did a few years ago. But mm-hmm. but I do think that that 
they are going to add one of those guys, whether it's Harper, whether it's Machado, whether it's Trout. I really believe that. And I've believed it from, from the jump. I just it felt like that was the way the organization was being set up. And I think it's interesting because uh, tell me what you think of this theory that I've just kind of been thinking about here mm-hmm. as, uh, you know, not, not quite a take as Jack would say, uh, but it is a, a, a theory that, I think that the way that and and I again I said before I I liked the philosophy of you know trying to fortify the roster without giving up anything for next season but ultimately that that philosophy is backfired. I mean there's no question about yeah. it. Do you think that this is something that Clintac looks at and learns from and says maybe down the road it forces him to be all in one way or another to say whether it is to go for it or whether it is to bail, do you think he says, you know what, development's more important, we learned our lesson? Or, you know, hey, remember that time we just added a few pieces? You know what, that's not good enough. It's go time. And that's obviously more likely as they try to be better and better and be a real World Series competitor. But on a philosophical level, uh, do you think that this is a, a bad enough outcome from the way this played out that it's something that will get a Matt Klintak or someone in that position to kind of redefine the way they look at these situations? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's it's a great question. And I, I mean, outside of Cole Hamels, and I do think that they got caught in between being in for the playoffs and not wanting to mortgage the future. And I, I, would, I would tend to lean towards your side, which is I didn't want significant prospects being traded unless it was maybe a Manny Machado but I, I for a, a, a closing a closer or a reliever or somebody else I wouldn't want to see one of the top prospects go but I, I do believe the Klintak got caught kind of in between where he said well we still want to develop our pitchers and they're they're pitching great but like Jack has been saying for a long time Fritzy is that these guys have never logged those innings and frankly they're probably performing over their head anyway so do I think he learned anything from this? I, you know, I, I, I can't answer that. I, I would sure that that contact's very disappointed that it's, it's collapsed like it has, but he also, without giving up a whole heck of a lot or anything, he was able to, at least on paper and for a little bit, improve this team. Um, but man, he, you know, I, I, in hindsight, I wish he would have made another move or two. Yeah. I do because it really would have made a difference. Cole Hamels would have made all the difference in the world. Or like we said, in hindsight now, knowing where they are now, you almost wish he didn't make any moves. And you saw Scott Kingery and you saw, you know, J.P. Crawford as soon as he was healthy. And you got the more reps for Jorge Alfaro and Nick Williams, obviously the injury there. But like, you know, the stuff you talked about, the, the getting reps for people and finding out as many opportunities as you can get to find out if... Nick Williams is a long-term piece. If Roman Quinn is a long-term piece, if Coriel Faro is a long-term piece, if Scott Kingery is JP Crawford, all this stuff, and playing as Triple Cabrera, playing Joey Bats, playing Wilson Ramos, as much as I enjoyed when Wilson Ramos would play, when healthy enough to play, um, it, it has, in a way, kind of hindered the not just development, but also hindered their ability to evaluate these guys. I mean, you know, I think you and I are both big believers in reps in life being an important thing in whatever you're doing. And it it, getting these guys reps in meaningful games, games that matter. um, It's interesting. It's really interesting the way it played out. And and to your point before, look, if I were John Middleton, I'd be pissed off too. I I own a, 
a major league baseball franchise in the city of Philadelphia, and there are 500 people in the seats or a thousand people in the seats, no matter if it's a rain out makeup game or whatever, I'd be pissed too, because I think that as we know this, this franchise, when they're humming and when people are interested, there, there are a few better things in this city. But, um, it, like you said, John, it's taking time. It's taking people time to get back in on it. And I worry about that. It's kind of what we were talking about at the beginning that, that this, this rough stretch of baseball has really soured people. And, and obviously, you know, look, that can change the moment Ken Rosenthal tweets out the Phillies of trade for Mike Trout or whatever, you know, yeah. people will turn that around in a hurry. But how big of a, like, how how important, and again, we both agree the season is over. They are not doing seven from 17 back, 17 games, seven back. It's not happening again. The Braves are playing too well. They're not going to, you know, screw it up like the Mets did. And the Phillies are just playing too terribly, and they don't have those guys uh, like Rollins and Howard to kind of, and uh, Chase to kind of carry them through. But how important do you think these last 18 games are from a excitement for the franchise standpoint and for the the development of of younger guys kind of getting these reps as well and both those kind of facets of of development you know very little yeah it's interesting i like very that take little. explain maybe maybe jp maybe scott kingery maybe if you can get one at second and one at shortstop you can see if these guys uh, how they look together because 18 games is still significant, right? I mean, I, I know there's 162 over the course of a year, but 18 games is a good amount. Um, but but again, the, the, there's so many questions rather than answers. And the question is, well, is Scott Kingery a shortstop or a second baseman? And Gabe says they don't even know yet. Well, I know he's a second baseman. <laughs> put, put him at second base. I know what he is. He's not a shortstop. Put him at second base. You have a young shortstop, but for whatever reason. And we defend analytics, some more than Jack, more than me, Jack, more than you, you probably more than me. Um, so when you fail, you're going to have people that question you. And when they're already questioning your philosophies before, when it, even when it was working, they're certainly going to question you now. So, you know, I, I fans, I don't think it's going to matter because you're going to have people that are paying attention anyway. I don't think you're selling a single season ticket for next year or even a game ticket for next year based on the last 18 games. But can it help a little bit with the development? I suppose. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I think you're right in the sense that I don't think it can help the development that much. I think any big-time reps in Major League Baseball games you can get for younger guys who you believe could have potential to be a, an asset in the future is worthwhile. But... I, I do disagree a little bit from a perception standpoint. I think that if this team can somehow, and again, I don't think this is going to happen just because, again, they've been so bad for a while now, and it, it seems like they keep regressing. It, it keeps getting worse and worse, not just in the worst losses, which that seems like, again, they've had 17 games where I'm like, whoa, worst loss of the season, gut punch. I can't even like, I mean, it's, it's absurd. It is, it is absurd. The amount of games they've lost like that, but, but even not in that sense, just thinking about the way they've played and the, the rising to occasions in big games in big spots, they've really come up small over the last month. And I think that if they can win, you know, 
60% of the games the rest of the way, or 50, that's a lot, 55% of the games, are, if they can win 11 games or something like that out of the last 18 or 10 They got to make it to 500, man. Out of the last 18, I think that that's something where there will be a at least somewhat of a, a more positive spin on it. But I agree, man. It's been ugly. I feel like there's been, to be fair, a little bit of hyperbole in the uh, people are like i don't remember ever a collapse in the history of sports like this like what come on yeah it's been that bad uh, people people have gotten a little carried away with the aggressiveness of the collapse it's been ugly it hasn't been great but i mean i we are, I, you know what though james I, I think i think people that pay close enough attention like us high hopes podcast and and our listeners we could see this coming right like this is yeah, I mean, there it's signs. not all that surprising. The level of it's surprising to me. They've been this bad, but am I surprised that they've that the starting pitching is hasn't been what it was the rest of the year? Not at all. No, of course not. And like we said, run differential and Pythagorean win yes. theorem. And there's all this yes. stuff. There are all these reasons to point to and say, oh, this is why one run game record, all that type of stuff. There's so many reasons. And again, just I think the biggest thing is, you know, we how many times have you said this? I've said this. Jack said this. When they were playing well, we're like, how are they winning games? You know, it's yeah. like, oh, the starting yeah. pitching's been good, but like nothing else ever seems to work at the same time. So I think that, yeah, of course it's coming back to earth. You, all, We all hope that maybe they could ride the luck train all the way to the playoffs because that happens all the time in baseball. But um, I, I think it's interesting the way the season, and again, I agree with you. I wish it had been the, the reverse of it, but... It is, um, I think they, if they can kind of stop this slide and not make it so that the whole second half of the season, or, you know, the end of the season, last two months of the season it would be, is just a train wreck. I think that it would at least help a little bit. But ultimately what they do in the offseason is going to be the most important thing. So is there anything that you're kind of looking for over these last 18 games? What are you looking for? What do you want to see him do? I mean, do you even, I mean, you're going to watch the games. We're all yeah. going to watch the games. It's what we do, yeah. but... What, what do we look for here? I know you want to see development. You want to see some younger guys and kind of see them get some spots. But is there something else? Is there anything else we can kind of root for at this moment? I, I want to see how they respond to Gabe, too. And and despite all this, I'm still – I still like Gabe. I'm still a Gabe man. Um, but, uh, hey, listen, like you said, th- th- there was a resiliency about this team for a lot of this season – and I thought you could you could directly attribute that to to Gabe and the type of clubhouse he was leading. Now, do I have to say the opposite when they're not winning games and, and they're losing games? Not necessarily. Um, you know, I, I just feel like they've run out of gas and they, they had what they had. And when the pitching failed, their confidence is gone and they're not there. I'm looking to see how Gabe handles the rest of the season. I'm looking to see. Um, he had said after the double headers, listen, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. You're hey, not playing well right now. We should have like a siren or a bell going off. Right. Yeah. He actually, Gabe actually not, you know, saying they still got it. The positivity right. taking a hit. So I, I want to see him flip a couple tables and, <laughs> but, but I, I want to see how they respond to him. And I, I, I want to see how he kind of manages the rest of the season. Um, and because I, I don't really know who, what else you could be looking for other than JP and Kingery, they don't have any young players up here that that they're going to be playing in abundance. Uh, most of their positional guys are in single A or double A that you would expect to be coming up relatively soon. Um, you know, Dylan Cousins. I don't care if he plays another inning or not. You know, I, he kind of is what he is. Although he does have good power. Um, 
I want to see him finish strong, though. I do. I, it would make me feel better if 18 games left, if, if they could win 11 of those games. You know, if they could maybe knock the Braves out of the division and give it to the net. You know what I mean? Like, play spoiler. <laughs> take out the Rockies. So, I don't know. But I'm, I'm just looking for a strong finish. Yeah, me too. And uh, so we're looking for a strong finish. And we're looking for the uh, the leaked video of Gabe choke slamming Odubel after Odubel screws up a play and like, oh, he's got it, he's got the fire. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, Gabe. he's gonna drag him out by his braids. <laughs> like, he misjudged another one. You're coming out. I do think it's interesting with th- that you have that that you do have Roman Quinn there. So there's gonna be a lot of talk of of sure. trading Odubel in the off season. I'd rather hang on to him and keep him with Roman Quinn so you can use both guys because both have showed that they're flawed for injuries and for Odubel reasons. But <laughs> you know, it's, it's going like to be a Odubel fun reasons. hot stove this year. It's, well, that's what's exciting. And that's what I, I was alluding to before. And kind of, you know, I think that this team has always been gearing up for 2019. And we've talked about it a ton that it seemed like even Klentak and the organization was almost caught, you know, flat-footed with this season. And that's the way they approached it. I don't think anyone thought the team was going to play as well over the first two-thirds of the season as they did. And I think it, you know, kind of changed their approach at a moment. But I think that ultimately, and it was shown by what we talked about with the fact that, yeah, they made a play for Machado, but, you know, they, they didn't really want to give up anything of value of the future for something for this season. And I think that's because they've always been gearing up for 2019 and beyond. And really 2019 with those marquee names. I mean, again, and obviously a trout trade would be, you know, ideal. But at the same time, that requires another team to want to do it and agree to do it and another, a whole lot of other factors. What we know is that Bryce Harper and Manny Machado are going to be free agents 100% as soon as the season ends. And... Those two guys as free agents are almost unprecedented. I mean, they might be two of the best free agents, if not the two best free agents prospects in the history of baseball. Guys who are 26 years old, who have the amount of major league experience and pedigree that these guys have already have, like as top 10 players in the sport with the upside to be the best, especially in Harper's case, other than Trout. Um, the, uh, you know, guys like this don't come on the free agent market often, if ever. So I, I think that, look, John Middleton, as you said, Middleton wants to win. Middleton doesn't want empty ballparks. Middleton has the money. This team, forgetting just that John Middleton has the money, and at least from everything we've heard and the impression we've gotten, has no problem spending it to win. But the team from an organizational, you know, roster construction standpoint, has the money to spend. You know, they have set this up, whereas we've talked about it a ton of time, Arietta, Santana, and, and Odubel are the only guys on, who have a contract past this season, and Odubel's is insanely cheap, even if he's a, a platoon guy. So, um, so like, where are you, like, heading into this kind of hot stove offseason, there's fun stuff. We're going to keep talking about the rest of the games. Obviously, we are going to watch them and root for a strong finish. But how do you feel about the organization as a whole right now? Again, going back to our premise that we started this pod with, the premise of is this season a success or has the way they have crumbled towards the end and the guys they've done it with 
really soured you that you're not as excited heading into the offseason? Where are you from that perspective right now, from looking well, at I mean, this would, team into the offseason? I, I think once I, um, once I kind of get over the collapse right here, it, it, it doesn't make me feel like that this team, I mean, is this team a one player away? Are they a Bryce Harper away? Um, yeah, if they pitch the way they pitched for the first half of two-thirds of the season, sure, but I, I don't think you can count on that again. Um, the great thing is they have money, and it's uh, can Matt Klintak and company uh, pick the right players, make the right trades, make do the right signings. You don't want to blow all this money, and then if Trout becomes available, now you're you're you can't do it. I mean, I, I wonder if if um, if Carlos Santana will be on the market to an American League club this uh, this off season. If Reese Hoskins in left field was, I thought it was a great idea. Ultimately, maybe it wasn't. I, you know, I. The, the 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 questions I had answers to these questions a month ago, and I was I felt strongly about them, and now I don't feel so strongly. You know what I mean? I, I don't feel like that Hoskins is necessarily the best place for him as left field. Um, so and and, and it's going to have to work itself out. They have money. They have um, you know, they they have a, a good situation here, being that they they have a, a a nice place to play, and they have a lot of room to grow with a lot of money. I. I I, I, I'm excited for this offseason because th- th- there'll be players. There'll be there'll be big players. And the way that the Nationals handled the trade deadline with Bryce Harper tells me there's a pretty damn good shot that they're not going and matching at all at all odds. They're not putting out the 10-year, half-a-billion-dollar contract. So maybe if you are the Phillies, you can sneak in with an eight-year for, God, there's $300 million or something, but that there's a good chance that Bryce Harper does come here. And that would... Yeah. That would make me really excited. Dude, we talked about it. You and I both agree we'd rather have Harper than Machado. And, man, I want Bryce Harper here. He would he would be one of those guys who this city would love. And I know right yep. now we hate him, but once he's here and once he's doing the things he does and the intensity and the passion and, like, how badly that dude wants to win, we will love that here. You know, that's what Chase Utley was. We just love He's a Chase Utley type. He is, yep. man. He's a Chase yep. Utley with a... With a little bit more personality. Sorry, Chase. Um, yeah, a lot but more personality. A lot, a lot, yeah, I was trying to be nice, John. I was trying to be nice. Chase Utley's still the man. But, yeah, um, yeah I'm with you. I'm with you. And, uh, again, I think they're going to be players, too. I think it's going to be a really fun, really fun offseason. And, I, again, as I said, I, I have staked my claim there since last offseason. I think they get one of those guys. So, um, Johnny. Uh, of course, we'll be back uh, Sunday, Monday, beginning of next week to talk about the weekend and all that good stuff and continue to, as we say, have high hopes about this team and hope they can finish out the season strong. But any final thoughts before we get out of here? Well, I always like to talk about the um, about the minor leagues and uh, the Phillies uh, had, had a, a successful minor league season with a lot of their prospects, including some pitching prospects that kind of came out of not nowhere, but I don't think they, they made leaps and bounds. So we'll talk about that a lot during the off season, but there is a lot of promise down there. It's not in position players. It's in pitching. So if you think that there's a, uh, your, your next Mike Trout in the minors, I haven't, I haven't seen him yet. It's not that he's not there, but they do have some really, really good young players. And, um, it's uh you know it, it's it's going to be an exciting build here and it's going to start next season so we see what happens. Rate and review the podcast. Uh, we appreciate any time you take to do that kind of stuff. And uh, my final thought will be, as John kind of alluded to before, 
High hopes. Let's hope they finish out strong. And either way, I do think this season is a success and um, that ultimately we'll look back on it as the beginning of something fun. So uh, that'll do it for us for this uh, this episode of High Hopes. We'll be back this weekend for Marks, for Fritz, I'm Seltzer. We'll talk to you guys later. See you.